0: This football podcast alongside Caleb Kaufman and Will Coleman. I am Jack Grossman. Thanks for joining us today. Well, guys, a lot has changed since the last time we chatted here in a podcast booth. Number one, we're, we can actually see each other
1: this week. <laughs> That's right. Which is that a positive though? That what?
0: That is progress. That is definitely progress,
1: progress but positive.
0: Yes. Prog- progress would mean positive Well, in this case. I mean, we're just as sad that you're seeing us as that uh you that you can see well and I, Caleb. <laughs> All
1: right, I guess it's better for me. I'm no longer behind a door, but
0: but Indiana loses to Ohio State fifty-one to ten on Saturday, and I I think this is an appropriate place to start. I don't think we will ever see Will Coleman. As happy as he was during that entire beatdown of a game. I can't lie. He had just—he was just beaming with a smile on his face the entire time. So happy to see his hometown Buckeyes
2: just come in and
0: steamroll the Hoosiers.
2: Yep, I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. For those that don't know, um, my grandpa went to IU, but my dad and uh, his siblings went to Ohio State. So it was always those two schools that I was watching, you know, growing up as a, as a sports fan, and I like to tell people that when IU and Ohio State play each other, because I'm a student at IU, that I like to root for the offense, which uh, you could say I got a taste of that Saturday.
1: Well, and by offense in that game, you mean Ohio State and Ohio State only. No. Yeah,
0: one team had offense, the other did not, and I sound my mic sounds considerably worse than your yours. Can you hear that, Caleb?
1: Yes, I'm not even yeah. sure your mic's on.
0: Well, oh no, it's on. Okay. It's definitely on, It just, I tried this mic, mic 2, because mic 1 sounded incredibly echoey, and mic 2 is not doing any better.
2: Well, so. rough life being Jack yeah. Resman. So, w- so which is the better mic?
0: This is mic 2,
1: this is mic 1, so I think mic 1's better. But I can actually hear you in my headphones in mic 1, mic 2 I wasn't even picking you up.
0: Yeah, so we're going to stick with Mike, Mike won here. So, sorry if that doesn't sound great. I guess I'll tell Alan that later. <laughs> it doesn't really help us right now, but Indiana, Ohio State, it was not great for the Hoosiers, to say the least. Well, let's just start this. Other than everything, because everything went wrong, what are a few specific things that went wrong that is worrisome long term.
2: I would say the biggest concern, um, for me at least, would be just the lack of run game. Obviously, it's tough when you're going up against Ohio State. Um, you know, they can be really hard to game plan against as a defense. So, uh, Stevie Scott had just no room to run, and there just weren't many run plays as soon as IU buried itself uh, under that deficit. So, just a lot of passing, but zero, zero. Uh, Progression in the run game and no development really. I mean, it wasn't that strong in the first two games, and I expected at least something. I think, out of them. I think we
0: disagree on this a little bit because I I thought the run game was fine against Eastern Illinois. Stevie's got ten carries, sixty one yards. Basically, played a half a football. You double that, and that's twenty for one twenty two. You're happy with that as an output for a full game. Just the qualifier is it's Eastern Illinois, exactly. But you kind of have the opposite qualifier in this case, of it being Ohio State to where, where Indiana could do so little, but because when you factor in how good Ohio State is defensively and the fact that they were able to focus solely on the run game because it was Peyton Ramsey taking snaps and not Michael Penix, then I think it excuses it a little bit more. I think the, the the game that really worries me about the run game is the Ball State game, and that's one where that points out to me, they running backs got to run for more than 2.7 yards per carry when you're facing a MAC defense. Mm-hmm. But one game is also too small of a sample size for me, and I don't think you can tell enough because of the circumstances of the other two opponents to really make big sweeping declarations in positive or negative, in this case negative directions just because of what's happened so far.
1: You give the qualifier that EIU, and that's why it was good. But God, also, y-
0: your your mic sounds so much better than mine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then, the qualifier also for Ohio State is, that's the competition, it's higher than most of the competition. I It's bl- the highest. It's the highest. It is the highest. They'll, I personally... Well, we'll think like <laughs> <laughs> he You did. You should see a smile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they firmly are now in the conversation for a college football playoff team. That's a very different conversation, but... They're much closer to the competition IU plays the rest of the way, besides this upcoming weekend's UConn, uh, than EIU was. Ohio State is much better, but everyone else in the Big Ten is on that side of the scale. if, if If Ball State's closer to the middle and EIU's on the far end and Ohio State's on the other far end, Big Ten skews much closer to Ohio State.
2: When you look at the big picture, the result against Ohio State could be a lot more telling for the rest of the season.
0: See, I disagree. It could be. Yeah. Be, because of—all because of the quarterback. And that really is a driving point. It's not just that Ohio State is so much better than Indiana and that a lot of the Big Ten teams will be not quite up to Ohio State's level, but you'll a Michigan State who's terrible offensively, but they still have one of the three, four, five best front sevens in the country. That's going to be really hard to run the ball against. And so—but for me— Ohio State was able to load the box so much because of Peyton Ramsey. And I talked about this in my column. I took a photo of it also of where on about 90% of Indiana's offensive snaps on Saturday, Ohio State had at least 10 guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage. You can't do that if Michael Penix is the quarterback for Indiana. So for me, if you combine both that aspect of it, of assuming Penix is going to come back, whether it be against UConn or Michigan State or Rutgers, he's going to come back at some point. If he wasn't, Tom Allen would have said something about that by now. Now, I would assume, at least, coaches are a little weird. But that Penix adds such a different dynamic to where you take that and the fact that it's Ohio State, and I and I forgive it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is weird, because I'm usually right there with you. I was ready to declare the run game an issue after the Ball State game. <laughs> game, so it's just for me. I don't know how much you can actually learn from this game.
1: I think you just learn a lot because they got nothing going. Usually, when you even when you play a good team, you can get something going—a play here or there. Stevie Scott finished with nine yards on six carries. Uh, Samson James was the best running back of the group with four carries for 14 yards, and then technically Payne Ramsey had 14 carries for 14 yards. Uh, that's misleading because some of that is sacks, which counts as carries, and then his, only, his long run was 20 yards, so when you have all of that in your run game and you get nothing, your longest run is a broken play in which Ohio State kind of just dropped back to force him to throw and then... Somehow he evaded pressure long enough that they got downfield and he could run 20 yards. It's a problem, no matter how you think of it. Even if you're playing an Alabama, a Clemson, or as they did play an Ohio State, you have to be able to get a chunk play here or there, which Tom Allen talked about. He mostly talked about in terms of the passing game and Ramsey's skill set versus uh, Penix's it, as Ramsey had to come in and, uh, short notice and run the offense short notice with quotes because we don't really know <laughs> at what point uh, they knew different p- people are given different side answers um, but it's concerning no matter how you look at it even against an Ohio State and how there's just no run room that offensive line cannot f- make a hole
0: I'm not, I'm not saying there's <laughs> no room for concern I'm just saying I don't think we should be saying okay the Indiana run game is dead and it's not going to be a factor all season
1: I won't go that far, but my hand is firmly on the panic button. It hasn't pushed it yet. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The hand is sitting on it and a little bit more pressure, and the sirens are going off.
0: If if you're ranking this about one out of 10, I'm probably at about a six right now on,
2: my, say, on my worries for uh, the IE run game. I would say six or seven. Probably. Yeah, I was
1: probably around seven, seven and a half. So, so after it, all this, we're all in the same list. But you're making it sound like you're at like a right. four.
2: If, if <laughs> that's not it for you, then what do you think is the biggest offensive concern thus far? Well... Is it
1: Ramsey? Because
2: yes. your, your, okay. your column is that's
1: a very telling.
2: I
0: think if Penix is the quarterback, it opens everything else up. Mm-hmm. How much of and, a... And Will, you've said it yourself. You thought Indiana looked better in the run game in the second half of that Ball State game. Yeah. To so where I... To where, if you're able to complete a deep ball, which Penix can do, we've seen him do it multiple times in just two games, a <laughs> game and a half, really. Then you have to respect that deep ball, and you can, and that softens up the defense and opens up more green grass for Stevie Scott, Samson James, everyone else to run through. So mm-hmm. for me, that's that's the biggest issue right now is that Peyton Ramsey's the guy taking snaps, and that's something that can't be fixed until Michael Penix is healthy.
1: That that's a I agree and it's understandable but even with that it's yes they were able to stack because in Ramsey's deep throws they were just underthrown left and right or there's one play I believe it was the second quarter maybe it was the third to when wop. yes when WAP was that's where I left
0: my column with <laughs> because you know what happened the play after that
1: uh I did not recall the blocked punt uh was that the same drive
0: yeah you're talking about the
1: um it was third and fifteen. No, and no, I'm talking about a different WAP play when WAP was
0: wide yeah, when leap open. And when there was, was like a cornerback on each sideline,
1: yes. WAP is like waving his arms practically. Right, that's a different play. And no one within 20
2: feet of him. No Where one's at 20
1: it? feet and Ramsey inexplicably throws it, back, tries to throw back shoulder downfield on the sideline, misses terribly, and that kills the drive. Yes. I think... That's another bad one. I believe that led to their only field goal the game, if I remember. No, the field goal game. Early on. Yeah, the field okay, goal so game Okay, so they didn't on. even get points on it, and they were probably across midfield at that point. Yeah, they were across midfield. So, there you go.
0: Just, I think you just throw the tape away when it comes to the Indiana offense and burning. <laughs> and, and unless some, unless something happens to where Panic is out long term, I just don't think there's really anything you can take away offensively from this game.
1: Allen has said multiple times he doesn't expect it to be a long-term thing, but the more of this just hangs over the team yeah. and how both he refused to say when they officially told Ramsey he was going to be the starter. I have a feeling it was earlier in the week than what they are implying, and then how Ramsey in his post game was also very cagey about it and just, well, I'll, I always prepare to be the starter, and when Coach Allen told me when he told me, everyone's eyes lit up like, oh, when did he learn? And then... As an experienced starting quarterback from last year, he knows how to dodge the question. I was sinking, feeling this could be a little longer than IU fans want it to be. I don't think it'll be season-ending or anything like that. The, but the I would one. not be surprised if he goes misses this week, and then it wouldn't super surprise me if he somehow misses Michigan State.
0: That's the one where you really want him back for yep. is that Michigan State game because you you feel like if you're Indiana that Michigan State's so bad offensively. If you can get anything going when you have the ball in your hands, your defense should, in theory, be good enough to keep the Spartans off the board enough. However, and this is a good transition here, the defense was atrocious against the Buckeyes.
1: Even Allen was, like, sick to his stomach (laughs) talking about the defense this week and after the game.
0: Now, I have about a 2-minute, 10-second clip here of Kane Womack talking on Monday. If, if you guys want to hear it. It's his opening statement. Will's heard it, I know. Caleb, I don't think you have.
1: I've heard it, but let the uh, listeners hear it. It's a good thing to, for them to know.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to play it. It's about two minutes. Enough is enough for Kane Womack.
3: You have to decide that enough is enough. And when you walk out there on that field, you say enough is enough and I'm going to do my job focus on my play so that I can go execute at a very high level. And that's not what we did enough in that game. Credit Ohio State. I'm not taking anything away from them because they're a very good football team. But if I'm a linebacker, enough is enough. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to do my job for that one play and then I'm going to go play as hard as I can the very next play. If I'm a defensive tackle, enough is enough. I'm going to go lock in and do my job. If I'm a corner, I'm going to lock in and play my responsibility. Across the board, same deal to me as a coach, right? There were calls that I should have made and got in a lot faster than what I did. I uh, think that each one of us, I told the players this morning, this is a this is a program defining opportunity. We had one playoff state and beat them, and we didn't get that done. But how we respond to this adversity when we know that we're capable of so much more, as an entire program, enough is enough. Okay, not saying that we're gonna win every single game, not saying that we're, we're gonna do anything uh, outside of what we're capable of doing, but when we decide to go do what we're capable of doing, we can accomplish a whole lot of things here. And that starts from everybody, from, from coach to myself, right, to our players, to our families. It's an opportunity, all right? We've gotta show up, all right? we've gotta show up in pre-game, we gotta bring energy in pre-game to our team, right? and that's not a challenge to anybody, right? But it's an opportunity, For our entire program, it's an opportunity for our our entire program, university community, all right, Indiana alumni. Enough is enough. Let's go in there and let's go execute. Let's go do our job. We got to do our job on the field, all right. But we got to give you guys something to play for, okay? Something to be proud of in the way that we go and compete every single day. At some point, every great program has eventually said, "Enough is enough." All right, we're going to get a change, and we're going to be the reason why. And I think every person that's involved in Indiana football has to decide all right, and has to make that decision that we're going
0: to say enough is enough, and let's go compete. Which I think guess how many times Kane Womack said enough is enough in, in that
1: two-minute, ten-second clip.
2: I'll go with 11.
1: It, the full phrase, enough is enough, or just enough? Enough is enough. Give me 13. Lucky number 13. Eight. I over. So a little
0: short, but. Meanwhile, both yeah. bust. Yeah, but it was eight. Still eight times in two minutes ten seconds. Plus there was one time where he just said enough, but he didn't say the full so phrase. So it's eight and a half. So it didn't. But I didn't give it the ding because oh, okay. he didn't say enough is enough.
2: Call uh, call it a th- eight and a third.
1: So those were those things where I thought that was just straight your phone recording no. someone getting text messages.
2: No, that was I went through and I put in a
0: ding. Right after he said "enough is enough."
1: Okay, production value just went up a lot more than I thought it was. I <laughs> thought it was very low there for a second, uh, but now Jack. Kudos to you.
2: I appreciate Jack Grossman. That, well done. Yes, thank you, thank you. I just thought I
0: I I just heard that yesterday, and I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta do something with this. He said it so many times in such a short period, but I think getting past just him saying "enough is enough" eight times in two <clears> minutes and ten seconds. It's a very interesting soundbite from Kane Womack.
2: I'm a big fan of Kane. Um the few times I've heard him speak to the media um Mondays this season and I think he speaks with like the heart and fire of a head coach, which I really like. Um he's a young guy, to my knowledge. I think he's in his thirties. And I really like the way he, you know, just addresses the media. Um, but he was just on another level yesterday. He was fired up and it was very he was visibly still angry Yeah, about the uh, effort. His and emotions just, came out.
0: Yeah, and just how horrid the defense was on Saturday. As we can talk about the offense all we want, but for me, the giving up 51 against Ohio State is the biggest alarm that happened on Saturday. Mm-hmm.
1: And Womack talked about it in his presser, and then Allen, as he usually does, gives us his defensive breakdown stats where he said there was 11 plays where a total of 16 players missed tackles and i think he said 166 yes, yards that's accurate um of added yardage from missed tackles and you cannot have that ever especially against that granted jk dobbins really outstanding good. I, running I think back
0: that that's the thing that's kind of gotten lost in all of this is just how freaking good this ohio state team is i'm not an old man i'm i'm almost 22 but i have I've seen some good football teams play in my day. I've seen um, just off the top of my head just live uh, the Ohio State Cardell Jones, JT Baird, Ezekiel Elliott team, the Deshaun Watson, Clemson national title team, Alabama when they had Mark Ingram who won the Heisman and won a title, uh, the Ohio State Troy Smith team. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a team play as well live as Ohio State did on Saturday on both sides of the ball.
1: There there was nothing. I Even if IU played a perfect game on Saturday, they were not coming out of Memorial Stadium with a win, I think.
2: I'm trying to think of any flaws that I can think of on Ohio State's side. And other than that first drive where they missed a field goal, I really can't think of much.
0: And even on that drive, they marched down the field in like six plays in two minutes. (laughs) It was just some classic Kevin Wilson bad red zone offense that kind of kept him... Uh, out of the end zone but still for me the issue is you have all those missed tackles but that's not the only time we've seen that mm-hmm. against ball state it was 25 missed tackles 181 yards after contact so whereas with the run game i kind of excuse it because of the whole panics factor the defense does not have that excuse
1: they don't they're not it, missing anyone major either on the defense it's not like yeah. someone went down like a key player it, went down with an injury Marcelino, where are you? You're supposed to be the breakout player on this defense right now, and you are MIA.
0: It's just been—they've it, they, been a bad defense in two out of their three games, and the one game they weren't was against freaking Eastern Illinois.
1: And there were still struggle, like moments in the Eastern Illinois game. There weren't a lot, and there were very few and far I mean, between. they pitched a shutout. They pitched a shutout. But really you, no, but you can see certain times when Eastern Illinois could move the ball. Just that, they weren't capable of doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they missed open players, but when you play a capable team with a capable quarterback like Justin Fields, they're not going to overthrow a wide-open crossing route, and Ohio State did not do that.
0: I, I, we're in a position now, for the first time— since the Nate Sudfeld era, where I believe for Indiana to be successful, they're going to have to outscore teams.
1: Which is weird, especially in the Tom Allen era of all things. It is things. very
0: weird in the Tom Allen era, which I'm not saying we're going to get back to uh, Indiana losing to Michigan 63-47. to 47. <laughs> This defense isn't that bad. <laughs> but because they're not going to play another team like Ohio State all year, so just naturally... If they give up 51 points again this year, I'm going to be stunned. Just because I don't think they play another offense that's nearly as good as what Ohio State is. But this is a team that could routinely give up 35, 40 points a week in the Big Ten.
1: Agreed. The only, the only game where I think has the possibility of blowing the roof off of Indiana's defense would be Michigan. And I don't expect it to happen Michigan, at home.
0: Michigan's not capable of doing
1: that. Just I, they, have a, they are capable on paper. They just haven't put it together they yet. They
2: probably won't, but they could. I guess this, this was year. supposed to be
1: an outstanding Michigan offense this year.
2: Yeah, but we say this
0: every year about that, Michigan. That is
1: true, but this this, there's this one. This is the one they were hyping. Shea Patterson, second year as the starter. They have all the skilled players. This was going to be the year. It has not happened. They've looked.
0: They said that last year, too, and, and the year before.
1: Well, last year was the whole Harbaugh is going to get fired thing. That didn't happen. No,
0: last year was the whole we have Shea Patterson, and it's going to be a dual threat modern offense. And then they still ran the I-formation 80 times a mm-hmm. game.
1: Hey, 1960 football never dies, man.
0: Well, I mean, what my column was originally going to be this week was Indiana, I'm not saying they should play 1960s football. Hard pass. But if Kentucky doesn't choke that game against Florida, it would have been the perfect time for me to pull this out. I think football needs to be more like Kentucky.
1: Kane talked about that a little bit, like kind of hinted at he wants to go back to a little bit more old school smash mouth a little bit more. Yeah, which...
0: I'm not uh, Kane, uh,
1: DeBoer, I'm sorry. I'm
0: I'm only going to give this one little stat just because we're running out of time and I want to save this so I can use it as a full-length column but Kentucky against Florida think about Kentucky Florida is about the equivalent of Indiana Ohio State Florida's won 32 out of the last 33 matchups in that series other than last year when Kentucky won one and you think about just Florida overpowering Kentucky year after year after year like we saw Ohio State do to Indiana on Saturday Florida in their first two weeks had 15 sacks, 10 against Miami and five more in week two. Against Kentucky, they had one. Kentucky football held the nation's best pass rush to one sack and like three tackles for loss. How many times have we heard of Kentucky football being able to do that to a team like Florida?
1: Oh, uh, you're the Midwest expert of the group for college football, well, so I'm gonna I, say well, no.
0: I'm I'm just gonna say this. I don't think Ford is that great because I don't think their offense is that great. That defense is freaking legit. That mm-hmm. is a very good defense. And Kentucky controlled the line of scrimmage, not just an offense on both sides of the ball, but they controlled the line of scrimmage all night long for the second year in a row against one of the best defenses in the country. And they do that week in week out against basically everyone not named Georgia in the SEC East. Mm-hmm. That's unheard of. So. And they do that because their best players, recruiting-wise, year after year after year, are linemen. Whereas Indiana, getting a guy like Samson James is great, but if you want to differentiate yourself, you've got to get guys in the trenches that you can win battles in. And Indiana hasn't done that. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Um,
1: Want to get to uh, talking about this week, just quickly. uh, quickly?
0: Does anyone actually know anything about UConn?
1: I feel like I'm the one that knows since uh, I had to write the things to know this week. I was on the preview.
0: What are three things to know about UConn, Caleb?
1: Uh, UConn relies on the run to move their offense. It's not very effective, but they do rely on it. Uh, their best running back is Kevin Masai. Uh, I believe that's his the correct name. Uh, still just not a great average. He's only averaging 3.4 yards per carry and has 171 yards. They've only played twice, though, so it's a little different. But... Uh, not much to know about them. Their defense actually much improved from last year. That's the thing I would say. Here's,
0: here's what I'll say about UConn. There is no excuse for Indiana not to win this game by at least five touchdowns. UConn's a team that went 1-11 last year. They barely beat Wagner in Week 1 this year, 24-21. Their football program's been so bad that— They
1: gave Illinois a little scare. Not,
2: yeah, it's Illinois. Illinois's Illinois not good either. It was also were, at UConn. Yeah, that that's a
0: also a level— there's not many teams that are lower than Indiana football in the Totem Bowl. Illinois is that right mm-hmm. now as a program. But th- their football program so bad that the athletic department's basically giving up on them by joining the Big East in all sports <laughs> but football and making just the football team an independent because no one wants that team in their conference. So if you can't win
1: this game by 35 points, there's issues. Yeah, and going for the defense, this should be the game where they dominate the whole time. Running game, not very good. And then... UConn's actually trotting out there a true freshman quarterback uh, from Quebec, Canada, of all places. Two-star quarterback, dual threat. People were shocked that he even started. Their original starting quarterback uh, was a late scratch, and they thought another one, they have a three-star sophomore, I believe, that was in line, and then, nope. They're trotting out Zach uh, Zergoides, I believe his name is. I'm not taking a chance of that name. Um, and yeah. That's all that's pretty much all you need to know about UConn. It yeah. should be a blowout.
2: Uh
0: final score predictions. Well
2: hmm. I'll go IU forty eight, UConn thirteen. Caleb? Still my
1: forty eight, but uh I'll go forty two. I'll give him ten. I'll give him a touchdown and field goal.
0: Are we both assuming Ramsey's gonna be the quarterback? I am assuming that.
2: I, am, I
1: honestly think he'll go half and half. I think it'll be first half well, Ramsey, sure, but probably into yeah. third. I, I
2: think, the third. What's important is that it's not Panic Saturdays, I guess. Yeah, yeah there's no yeah. reason I, to I put think, him in there. I don't
0: think Panic's plays either. Therefore, I don't think they're getting 48, 50 points. I, I, but I don't think UConn's not going to be able to do anything offensively either. I got Indiana 38-3. to three. All right. So oh, that's no
1: touchdown game.
0: All we got for today— Be sure to join us next week on the IDS Football Podcast. For Will Coleman and Caleb Kaufman, I'm Jack Grossman. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.